We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among their just the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form, as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer, while evils are sufferable, than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty, to throw off such government, and to provide new guards for their future security. You're tuning into the Constitutionalist with Donnie the Don. Don't be political property. Be free. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome. Glad y'all um, we have a special guest coming on, and I don't see her yet. I was just speaking with her. Um, let me see where she's at. She is someone I'm working with now. Um, we started working together today on our activist movement. We sat on a call today, and I want us to be on there together and discuss why we were in this call with the SBA, um, what our intentions were. There's been a proposal written up, and then we can come and talk about um, the If you want to speak, you can go ahead and grab a mic at the moment until she gets here, but I'm not really for sure why she's not. She did say she needed to figure out how to get in here. So I'm trying to get her in here. She has her account set up. Just told her to click that, but we're here. There she is. Darcy. It should have made you a speaker automatically. I just sent you a request on top. It says, um, I invited you to speak. You just accept it and come on up. Hello, Darcy. How are you? We just were speaking, what, a few hours ago? <laughs> oh, and to unmute your mic, it's on the bottom right-hand corner. There you go. There we go. How are you doing since the last uh, few hours? <laughs> I'm doing what? Yeah, yeah. It's been an um, eventful day. I'll say that. <laughs> Hey, I think you're going in and out. Try that again. Nurse. I said it is, but I'm doing well. It's been an eventful oh, day. Yes, I can now. Yes. Yeah, I hold the mic up to closer to my mouth, too, so people can. I said it's been an event, eventful day. Yes. Yeah, so what did we do today? Um, like, okay, so I told them we were going to kind of briefly speak on what we did, why we did it. Um but I'll let you kind of say like what, because you guys have been in this longer than I have, why we're doing what we did today. Uh, we have some surprises, too, about, you know, people with the government um, email address who aren't government officials. We'll get to that, too, in a minute, you guys. This is pretty uh, weird, juicy stuff going on. They're trying to sneak in while everyone's distracted by everything else. Nor Republican or Democrats are talking about it. But so... How did our day start? So we were, we we're sitting there talking on the phone uh, with Steve, but can you tell them why we're even in that spot at the moment now? Um, well, the reason we're in that spot now is the government's overreach on taking our rights away. And they're starting mainly with animal rights. And it doesn't matter what type of animal you own. You're eventually not going to be able to own them if the people don't stand up and stand up for their rights. You know, it's animals today, tomorrow it's going to be who knows what. I mean, they've already started taking, there's some states trying to pass how many kids you can have. So that's pretty much what it boils down to. The USDA is trying to um, create new restrictions and add birds, all types of birds, to the Animal Welfare Act. Which is totally an overreach USDA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the consequences of that is, you know, when we're listening to them and we're talking to them today, 
it was everyone was on the same accord. I was actually very surprised about that part of it. Um, excuse me, you're going to wipe us out with this, these regulations. We can't afford this. And I'm thinking in my head, it's intentional. It's intentional. Oh, yes. I mean, perfect, perfect example. Um, I grew up on 180 head working dairy farm in upstate New York. And back when I grew up, dairy farms, private, you know, small dairy, mom and pop farms, they was an abundance. And if you go to like where I grew up, most all the dairy farmers has been drove out because they have put so many restrictions on, you know, the way you collect milk, the way you do this, the way you do that, how your cows have to be housed and and everything that the, the small farmer just couldn't make it. So, you know, there it rolls back over to the big corporate farms like Walmart has their own dairy facility so they can charge you whatever they want to for milk because they've eliminated 90% of the small time mom and pop farm. Yeah, definitely. Hey, Flamethrower had made a good point. He goes, isn't it funny how city slickers are always regulating things they don't have a damn, they don't know a damn thing about. And they're the ones who care. So they supposedly care about the environment, but they live in cities, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of the biggest pollutions there is. And, you know, I seen it was kind of funny uh, because he said that because I seen a meme on Facebook the other day and it had <laughs> the 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 cycle of what cattle brings to the environment because there was some urbanites that said that, you know, the cattle farmers is what was polluting the air. And polluting the soil. But yet without the cattle farmer, the soil would become more or less toxic because it's not it's it has no filter, no filter. Yeah, you know, Darcy, so so that's why we're here, you guys. So today we were on a call and I recorded quite a bit of it, but I'll have to put it in an article, some pieces of it, um, because I'm not going to be able to play it today. I got recorded on my phone. We were on a Microsoft Teams meeting, and so there's people who got to come and ask questions. And so what were they doing with the whole chickens and everything and trying to change what you can and can't do? And some of the things that, you know, they said they were doing this for the animals' rights um, and everything like that, but the things that they're requiring would actually hurt the animals. You can clearly tell whoever wrote this stuff doesn't know anything that they're talking about and how to raise it. So these people are writing regulations. Or could, by the way, these are not, this is not Congress. This is a um, non-elected government agency, a branch of it. So let me, they are the animal and plant services. So we get in there, we're talking to these people who, uh, who doctor, who have um, made this proposal to make it into hey, regulation. Donnie, yeah. You're breaking up. Okay. How about now? Is this better? You're, yeah, you're breaking up real bad. Is this better? Is this not working for me still? Yeah, it seems to be. Okay. Um. So let me go back. No, it's it. still. You you sound kind of like a robot. Oh, I think it might be you, Darcy. Oh my, I guess maybe. Uh, someone said it's better. I can hear you fine. Okay, let me try. And if you guys, uh, if it sounds bad, just let me know. Both of you sound good. Thank you, Charlie. Okay. So, Darcy, what I was saying was, is we have people who are who are not in Congress where the laws are supposed to be created, who are a on the executive branch side. They are a they're a department. They're a branch of the government. that are not elected officials who are pushing this. It's the animal and plant services who are writing proposals to do certain things to make it harder, like Darcy was explaining, um, for small business and farmers to be able to compete with big corporations and such. Now, who wrote this proposal? Veterinaries wrote these proposals. I think it's a conflict of interest and very interesting that with that, they are putting in there, they're requiring you to have a veterinarian that comes to your farm all the time or travel. And everyone from the people who are nonprofits for um, rescue services were saying, we can't afford this. We're going to, you're going to wipe us out. 
everyone on that call said you're gonna wipe us out and that's crazy because yeah. we're on different sides of the spectrum and it's like you know what people thought was fine when it was going after one particular group now you're involved now it's a problem right and you know i had this discussion with um a, my friend steve perry this afternoon after the call was over um what kills me is had it have been had they have been just going after the game fowl farmer you know all them other entities the canary breeders the macaw breeders the turkey breeders they would have not been on there but now instead of standing up prior to all this taking place you know now it's going to affect them so now you know they're going to they're going to come on board with the game fowl farmer before it didn't affect them they didn't care but now it does affect them and you've seen the turnout they had today Yep. And the people who were talking in the comments and everything, you guys, I think, I mean, it sucks that y'all have been fighting for a very long time for this stuff. And now they want to join because it affects them. It, that's why when I say when, with how we can actually come together is with our, with our liberties and our rights and our freedoms, because people don't really care until it seems to affect them. Okay. I don't really care. Cause I don't really use that. Right. Oh, I don't care. Cause I don't know anything about that. I don't really care. And then you, then it hits close to home. That's why we can't wait and sit on our hands and our butts and say, oh, well, it's not me. Oh, I don't care about that. Go well, ahead, I can tell you, there was um, a Supreme Court judge told one of the representatives from Puerto Rico when Puerto Rico was taking their fight on a, the Supreme Court level. The judge told them because they tried to use the constitutional argument. He looked right at them and he said, that people has let these laws, even though they're technically unconstitutional, they have not spoke up and let these laws stay on the books for so long that these judges, the government, everybody, they think they're accepted. People has accepted these laws, even though they're unconstitutional, because they don't fight them. And that comes from a Supreme Court judge. Yeah. And, you know, I had posted earlier, this is really important. This is very big information. This actually applies to what we're doing today. I think any, I think barely anybody engaged with what I said um, and what I put out. So the reason how, one of the ways these, these agencies think they can do what they're doing, it's not constitutional regardless, but how they get away with it. So back during FDR, I believe, could be our first um, socialist president, um, in Truman's era, I'm going to say, did you know that in 1946, the 79th U.S. Congress under Harry Truman, they violated the Constitution and our country's checks and balances with how our government creates laws. Okay, checks and balances. Um, we have the legislative branch. They're the ones who create the laws. Then we have the judges. And we have executive branch who enforces the laws. So the president isn't supposed to make laws, but if you have these unelected agencies doing your dirty work for you and they're creating regulations, I mean, they can fine you. They can put you in jail, prison. And these laws have not gone through Congress. That's unconstitutional. You're not supposed to do that. So they have the Administrative um, Procedure Act of 1946. And it reads... Governs the process of by which the federal agencies develop and issue regulations. It includes requirements for publishing notices of proposed and final rulemaking and the federal registrar and provides opportunities for the public to comment on these notices of proposed rulemaking. That's what we were doing today. Now, who was in the 79th U.S. Congress? We have Senate, says Democrat, House Majority, Democrat. As you know, the president was, you know, socialist. They says Democrat, but he's socialist. But, um, yes. But when a Republican came in office, did they get rid of it? They did not. It's still there. This is how they were able to create laws without the checks and balances. Now, Darcy, did you find it strange? When, uh, was it Mark, Mark Patterson came on and was asking questions, bringing up the Constitution and everything? And then ask her who she was and what their what their role was 
um, in this. And she told us she was an activist. And this activist has an SBA.gov um, email address and the fact that she can barely answer any questions. So you throw someone an activist who doesn't know hardly anything about it. And you're just like, here, guys, talk to them about this. And you guys can give us your opinions. And we're recording it. And that's that's it. Yeah, and she she completely, you know, he asked her, not as a legal opinion, but he asked her her personal opinion as to what he or she thought the USDA had behind this agenda. And she she totally avoided the whole question. She went completely around the question, would not answer the question. And, you know, and she she said that they fell in that that uh, category because they didn't really have nowhere else to put them. I mean, anybody with any little bit of common sense knows that that was a smokescreen. And I think that with a group of people and the amount of people that this is actually going to influence um, or uh, not influence the people it's going to affect and hurt, um, they're going to have a lot of lawsuits in their hands. They made the excuse that the reason why they're doing this is because the, the USDA was sued. Well, y'all about to get sued heavy. And then in this department is the one making the proposal, which is unconstitutional. It'll be everyone on both sides. It's going to be like a nonpartisan. Um, if they try to push this through and say, yes, we're going to do this. It's They're going to they're going to fight them. And Darcy, I feel like they have a good chance of winning when you have both sides of the aisle on here. I'll make us winning, not the not them. Yes. When you have and, you know, this is what, you know, a lot of the other entities, you know, like the houndsmen and the cattlemen and the horsemen, even though, you know, when horse racing was first developed, horse racing and game chickens went hand in hand. You know, it was nothing to go to the horse race and they'd have a, um, a harvesting event out in the stables. So they still sell game rooster pitchers at all the big horse races. But yet, the horsemen now don't want to associate with the game foul people because we're bad people, so they say. Even though the game foul people helped build their sport to what it is today. But if Absolutely. All the, if all of the entities don't come together as one and fight fight the USDA, fight what the government is doing, we're not going to be able to own anything. Like in this proposed, I mean, for instance, in the proposal, if you own over four hens, you have to buy a license. Depending on how many hens you own depends on how much the licensing is going to be. Um, adequate water, socialization, no way you can socialize a game foul. And they know that. But their plan is to eradicate the species. They want the species gone. They want animals to be better than humans. And treated better than humans. They're going to try. They're going to starve us. This is how you starve a population. What they're doing. That's why you can't, we can't, we can't trust and have people, a few people in control of resources and no one else can have, re that's, look at these other countries. It's felt, people are starving, they're hungry. Well, I mean, perfect example, and you and I was talking about this earlier today. Kentucky, they put up four big greenhouses. They are the size of four football fields, each of them. They are humongous. And, you know, some people was excited about that. And I said, how can you be excited about that? That is playing right into the animal activist's agenda. Anybody can Google it. What I'm about to say. Marcel has said it. Um, and there's been five or six other ones. I can't think of their names right off the top of my head. Has, has stated that by the year 2035, the United States, they want it to be a completely vegan country. So, you know, these greenhouses are going up all over the United States. One step closer to their plan. They're implementing all of these rules, all of these regulations 
to where the only people that's going to be able to own an animal is the broiler houses, you know, the big money people, corporate people. Uh, they just arrested an Amish man a couple weeks ago. He's got to go to court facing all sorts of charges because they slaughtered their own beef and he sold it within his own community. Ridiculous. That, Yeah, I mean, Amish, that is their religion. They do mm-hmm. not go and buy meat at the store. Everything is harvested their self. If that's not an overreach of the government, I don't know what is. But my thinking on that is if they can do that to the Amish people, what in the world are they go- are they going to do for us and what is coming for us in the future? Mm-hmm. And the bad thing is I don't really so much worry about myself, but I worry about my children and my grandchildren yeah. because that is what this new age stuff, that's who it's going to affect. Is them. Yeah. You know, my children, my children, my grandchildren have been raised the old school way. They've been raised on a farm. We have horses and cows and game chickens and goats. I mean, they know what farm life is. They're going to be the outcasts in today's society because they were raised the old school way. That's the sad part. Absolutely. So in the meantime, um, we're, we're watching, we've sent comments in as well. Um, we're watching what they're, we're doing. They're, they're saying we're watching updates and everything. I, you know, when she said we're, we think we're going to ho- go ahead and extend the comment section time frame. I think it's because they're probably getting more of us on there than the one they want it. And they might want to get a whole bunch of other, other people that are for it speaking on their behalf and just throwing their oh. comments in there. Oh, absolutely. Cause like, why are you extending it? <laughs> What's the point? Think, and we have a recorded call with everyone saying this is going to ruin our lives. I uh, I think they were very surprised today yeah. at the the group size that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, and I I think they were very surprised at the different tops of of birds and whatnot that was represented today. Mm-hmm. And all of them were saying, you guys are overreaching. You guys are trying to control mm-hmm. us. Who's going to pay for this? Are y'all going to pay for the veterinaries to come out? Who's going to pay for this? Yeah, and you know, just like with the avian flu right now that's in the United States, just like I said when I when I was speaking today at that thing, you know, our state vet does one farm a day to keep biosecurity at its top most effective it can. So how is a normal vet that practices large animal and small animals, how are they only going to be able to do one farm a day and be able to support it? They're going to, their rates are going to be so outrageous that like that one canary woman said, she won't never be able to afford it. Yeah. That, you know, and she was a rescue. It's the bad thing. Yep. Yep. And didn't didn't someone mention um, that veterinarians aren't necessarily trained on the birds, the canaries and all that stuff? They're not even trained on that. So why are you guys trying to force veterinarians to do this stuff if they're not even trained on it? Yes, there is very few um, special avian vets, Um, very few and far between. I think we only have one avian vet here in Kentucky. Whoa. Yeah, because so at this point, you got to think about this, right, you guys? So when we're discussing things, people are like, conspiracy theory, or you guys are just anti-government. This affects everybody. And then, you know what? It sucks this affecting everybody, but it's also kind of, it's kind of good because now we can have some kind of unity. Like I tell you guys, the people who were rescued were bringing up the Constitution, too. <laughs> I was like, what? I was like, Darcy, where you could, I was surprised by that too. When people with the rescue, the people who were like the other animal rights activists were bringing up the constitution, like for the protection, like we were. Yeah. I mean, and, and I mean, she actually even went as far to say 
well, are we going to have to hire high price lawyers? She sure did. So she felt very strongly about that. And like, and like you just said, she was a rescue. Yeah. And you guys, so when we talk about revenge of the people and we tell you we have, we're equipped already to fight back. The only problem is we're not united. And I think the way we can get united is with, like I said, the constitution, bill of rights, secrets, independence. People start realizing that neither party is for anybody. Once people are realizing the government, they, they for years have been trying to reform it. I literally just told you how the executive branch have decided to create laws. That's real. So let's go ahead. Do you want to add anything else, Dar- uh, Darcy, before we add Johnny to join us in the conversation? Yeah. Um, I think the, the American people, I do believe, missed a, a, the first big opportunity, just to be honest with you. When the truckers did their their convoy, I think every American that, you know, I which I would hope it would be every American anyway, joined that convoy and said, look, I am done. You know, I am done with you all infringing on my rights. I want the United States back. I'm tired of big government and, and, you know, implementing all of these rights upon us because that was the perfect opportunity because without truckers, they have, you don't, you don't have, you have nothing because that's how all food gets from point A to point B. That's how anything gets from point A to point B. In the United States is through truckers. I mean, we had a good opportunity. I tried to get the game file community to rally with them. I, I do believe we missed a good opportunity. We did. And I think that moving forward, that we're not going to miss too many. You know, um, I'm going to be up there helping Darcy, you know, do her thing up there in Kentucky. Um, Steve and I are going to be doing some things. We got big, we got plans and there's other things outside of that, that industry that we're doing to help other people too. And if it has to do with someone's uh, constitutional rights, um, that's what we're going to be doing. Um, that's what we're going to be standing on and trying to help and protect each other. And guess what? When you help someone else and you save someone's business, you save someone's livelihood because you know something, because you know your rights and other people don't. And that's what we are here for, this group. That's why I tell you, you all need to read your constitution. Y'all need to know every, all these things, know your history. So you can be an asset. You can help everybody else too. So then you're like, you're not as doubtful because you have the wisdom. You realize, wait a minute. Once you guys well, really start seeing it, your... you're going to get real pissed off. Sorry, Go Donnie. Go ahead, not... Darcy. <laughs> <laughs> not only knowing the constitution, but knowing the laws that are within your own state. That way yes. there, if you know the laws, you know which laws are going against your constitution. Yep. I, mean, I preach to them so- all the time to read their state constitutions too and know their laws mm-hmm. locally. I've, I've, I mean, I find, I have found over the past year that so many don't really know what the laws are for each state. Yep. Remember, Darcy, when I was talking to you, I was asking about the whole Greg Abbott <laughs> and the uh, Doug, uh, Doug, well, the, the governor of Arizona. And I was telling you about uh-huh. their state constitutions actually say that they could, their militia can fight off invasions and they both act like they don't have anything they can do. Like the yeah. people knowing that they wouldn't be OK with it, with how they're reacting. If people knew what their constitution said. Well, but, that's just that's. That's just like in 2019, you know, before this, you couldn't be tried for a crime in state and federal because it would be considered double jeopardy. 2019, Mm -hmm. the Supreme Court overruled that. You now, if if the state has the similar law as the federal law, you can 100 percent be tried in both federal and state on state level. Yeah. Well, absolutely. So now, Darcy. Um, we're going to go ahead and let Johnny, uh, go, go ahead and jump in. This is titled the revenge of the people. I did say I'll surprise you, <laughs> but you guys kind of knew what was coming. I did tell you about this yesterday, but yeah, Johnny, uh, what are your thoughts? Hello, Donnie. Thank you, Darcy. You know, I came in a little bit late on the conversation, but, uh, I caught where, uh, 
Darcy was saying, we've missed an opportunity with the truck drivers. Well, I am a truck driver, a regional truck driver. Right now, I've been doing it now for about 40 years. I was a member of a union for 30 years of my, 30 years of my working career. Right now, I'm advocating for a general strike um, uh, with the truck drivers and garbage collectors. And I have a strategy. I've talked to a few people. I'm, I've actually made uh, business cards, and I'm at truck stops and at loading and unloading uh, locations talking to truck drivers about going on a general strike. I was on the Katie Halper show the other day, and I was explaining to her a little bit about the strategy, you know, to get the people, their government back. And and when I told her that the truck drivers and garbage collectors were going to work in solidarity to go on strike, she said something. She said, well, wait a minute. You're talking about a strike, not a general strike, right? And I agreed. I said, yeah, you're right. It's two industries. But in effect, the way the strategy works, it's actually a general strike. So if I may, I'd like to start off, first of all, with uh, some uh, presuppositions, okay, that will set a sort of a foundation, a groundwork for, for, for introducing the strategy to you. And I want to see what you think, okay? First of all, number one, most hey, people Jimmy. in America. Yes, I'm Real sorry. Quick. No, yep. you're fine. Well, please go ahead and do that. Do you have a website or an email or something uh, that, uh, uh, that you could uh, add to the comment section for us? Sure. Uh, I've got, uh, yeah, not a website, but a YouTube channel right now uh, explaining okay, cool. the strategy. But it's uh, the name of the YouTube channel is Of, By, and For, You and I. You okay, know, can like you type person. it in the live chat because people sure. will not <laughs> click it. Yeah. Sure, sure. Uh, but go ahead and keep going. Thank you. Okay, so... Uh, couple of presuppositions. Number one, most Americans can say with much confidence that we can no longer call ourselves a government of, by, and for the people. Number two, most Americans, although a lot might, might feel like uh, single-payer health care might not be a good idea, but if we are what we claim to be, a democratically elected republic, we deserve at least a vote on Medicare for all. And number three, the most powerful weapon those who oppose us use is the manipulation of information, what Noam Chomsky would call the manufacture of consent, to the point that they have already started to infringe in our First Amendment right, the right to, uh, uh, the right to speak, right, in the sense that tech and uh, the media conglomerates are working together to pass laws to keep us from communicating and expressing our ideas. Number three. Um, you don't need but critical mass. Some would say 10 to 15% of the population to reach critical mass to get results, right? Uh, an action of critical mass. Number three. Number four, herd mentality. Once you have herd mentality, it's hard. People start to feel out of place when you see a lot of other people doing something and you're not doing it, right? So you get this herd mentality going on. Uh, there's a couple of other uh, truisms. Uh, the 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 way to fight your enemy. Johnny, I have a question, yes. real quick, because I don't I don't make sure we're not going off on something. Because I heard you say that we should be Medicare for all. That's not right. that's not the kind of government we want. Um, that okay. socialism. So I'm okay. curious: are you are y'all wanting to go on strike to push that, or is that no, what the no. goal is? No, no. The goal, uh, uh, the the strike is a strategy to get our country back from neoliberalism. And another okay. one of those, another one of those concepts, another one of those truisms is, is if you ask most people in America, they will not be able to tell you what neoliberalism is. Number three, most people, and lastly, lastly, most, well, two more. Most people, if you ask them, what is money? Where does it come from? And what is the the government's role in money? What how you know, how does that work? Most people will be able to, will not be able to tell you. They'll actually even roll their eyes and turn around and say, I'm, I'm not touching that with a 10 foot pole. And lastly, most people will tell you, if you ask them, do you as an individual have the power to change this thing and get our country back from the neoliberals, the oligarchs and the corporations that have taken it from us? 99% of the time, if not 100% of the time, if you ask an individual that they will tell you, me, myself, as an individual? No way. They're way too powerful. It was, it was in my full working with 18 
T is a repair technician in the CWA where I stood up in front of the uh, membership and I told the membership, listen, guys, I've been, we've been through five contracts. I've been here for 20 years and every year that goes, we get more and more, we're having to pay more and more for health insurance, right? And it's getting worse and worse. Now, I think that it's out of the kindness of their heart that we get the be- the benefits and the wages that we have. Our problem isn't unionization. Our problem isn't uh, this, this, this local and fighting for contracts. Our problem is neoliberalism. Now, it was through the, uh, at that time, at that time working, that I started to understand a little bit better the, the enormity and the huge problem that is neoliberalism that has taken our country from us, right? And it was at that time that I ran across a video from Warren Mosler, who said something that was so totally, totally blew hey, me away. Johnny, I don't like to interrupt people, okay. but I want, I want to make sure we go, you discuss your, uh, your plan on the strike okay. stuff. Okay, here it is. Here it is. Right. All Thank that you. was setting the foundation. And here it is. Here's the strategy. Number one, uh, the strategy is this, that to get our country back is so profoundly simple. It's profoundly simple. So here's the strategy. Number one, we get people. The reason why we don't have power, number one, is because we don't understand money. and We don't have the physical power to do it. The way we do that is we all come together in an agreement. And the agreement is on three things. Number one, that we no longer have a government of, by, and for the people, and we need to fight to get it back. Number two, whether you agree with Medicare for all or not, we deserve a vote. Number three, that we need to do something about the, the, the media, that we need to change it. And how do you do that? You do that by being visible on those three principles. The right, the left, and everyone in between, in between all agree on those three things. Right now, if we all agree on those three things, then what is lacking? What is lacking is the power to change it. And this is how you get that power by simply wearing red and white on your body and on your vehicles. You go down the road. Now, what does that do? It represents something. And I could talk about that later. But what does that do? When everybody wears red and white on their bodies and on their vehicles, they're telling those who do have power. And this is what Darcy said a few minutes ago, you know, that truckers missed an an opportunity. In my opinion, getting your truck and driving to Washington, creating the convoy, stopping commerce in that little city isn't power. Power is when the people, normal, everyday people, do a simple act as to wear red and white, thereby pointing to that person that actually does have power and telling them to stop their trucks stop their trucks and stop picking up trash now what happens and what what is the demand what happens number one number one the truck driver and the garbage collector sense has has this sense of patriotic duty because they understand i know and i talk to these drivers every day you have the power you've got power we all know this all we need is a population and 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 people that understands that our coward our character is at uh, at risk here. Our, our character is it is 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 being looked at, right? It's a char- It's about the character of a nation. Are you going to be? And here's the argument. Okay, and it gets better. Believe me, it gets better. The argument is this: either you're going to fight for the republic, or you're going to agree with the neoliberal. And what does the neoliberal say? The neoliberal says this: I want to privatize everything. I want to commoditize everything. I want. <laughs> there to be uh, profits of people in society. That is the main goal. To the point that they, the judges, have given the rights of the corporations the rights as flesh and blood human beings. Now that is, to me, an abomination, right? That's gone way too far. So how do you do it? You wear red and white, you tell the truck driver and the garbage collector that on May 1st, 2023, you're going to go on a general strike. But it gets better. It gets better. The thing is, is that what we want is either you give us our country back or we ourselves, we ourselves are going to stop the economy. It's one thing to stop the, when the government, which are really oligarchs, neoliberals and corporations. So it's true, really. You know, and I tell people, I said, you know, when you talk about the government, big or small, don't you truly really mean they're neoliberals? They're those people that in, in the neoliberal era is where... Rich people and corporations actively pass laws 
actively pass laws to take governments to, from the people and in order for, for profit. Okay, that's neo, uh, what do you call, embedded liberalism is where, it, you know, after the, after the Second World War, where uh, we had a country and laws and regulations in place to put, keep corporations and rich people and monopolies in check. Liberalism, classical liberalism, is leave it alone, laissez-faire, don't touch it. That's what happened in the 1929s. 29s gave us the uh, crash. So, so wait, so you, uh, are you, the point. well, well quick question. Are you, so are you against free market capitalism then? So free market capitalism, that's neoliberalism. What we mean by free market capitalism is this, right? Now, correct me if I'm wrong, right? Free market capitalism says that I have a right to my profits. And that means that if I can commodify all that exists, that is above, above all else above your social programs, above the social welfare of the people. After all, free market capitalism is the idea that says that you're in competition between each other, right? You, you, uh-huh. you know, It's a world in which everybody's in competition. And government, you get out of my way because you're in my way of making profit, right? The Trans-Pacific Power Partnership was all about, and neoliberalism is all about creating a one-world government where corporations, neoliberals, and oligarchs control. There's no such thing as borders. And actually, well, doing this well, is actually I think, fighting... I think, ahead, the problem, I think the problem, Johnny, is that we, just like our, our constitution and our, our land is supposed to be ran a particular way, and people mm-hmm. ignore it, avoid it, and don't actually follow it, because we do have monopolies that are illegal, but they we have monopolies here. Very clearly, they're here. That doesn't mean the free market is okay with it, it just means our government's allowed it, and they haven't they haven't done anything to stop these kind of things. They've been allowing it; they're a part of it. So when people attack capitalism as as if capitalism is actually a problem, it's the people that's a problem. Just like when yeah. people say, yeah. "Oh, well, God is so terrible." No, I say the people are the problem. People, yeah. the constitution doesn't work; it's bad. Well, the people are the problem. The people are the ones doing this stuff. So we can't necessarily sit there and attack and call capitalism bad. And I right. see where you're coming from. It's I, I what I do appreciate, Johnny, is right. that. You you did you did go and do some research. You you have you said this. You love your country. It sounds like you love this country. You want it back. You can tell that we're being oppressed by our government. I just think we have different ideas on how to accomplish it. And I yeah. think that um, regardless if we don't agree on, it, I think we can. The longer you know, you keep saying around and things, and we are talking more often in these kind of spaces that we can come to um um to in some kind of agreement to where we can work together to find the solution. But so wait, can I ask wait, you this question then? Can I ask you this question then? If the proposition is in fact, and this is what I'm laying out, here's the proposition. Either you're a neoliberal, which says I as an individual have the power to take your government from you for my benefit. Either you're that or you're a person that says I reject that way of that way of governance, and I want the the, the people to have the government. That's one okay, or the other, so, right? Would you so agree with you, that? So, so what you do? That's a bait and switch kind of question that you're asking. It's right. not. That's not necessarily no. Not there's people who like small farmers and things like that, like Darcy and them. They they're losing it because they're losing their land, they're losing their property, they're losing their animals, they're about to lose their industry because of corporation oligarchs doing that. That doesn't mean capitalism is okay with that. It's just how their governments allow people to break the law. They're, it's a lawless country. Yeah. People with money but, and that power, they're doing but, that. Let Darcy let Darcy see if she wants to come in and join in ahead. on this. Yeah, thank I have you. to work on the the us having monologues and stuff so we can right. have a discussion. Sure. So, um, Darcy, go ahead. Um. Johnny, I don't know. Did you hear uh, my example I gave about the dairy farmers? I, I didn't. I'm sorry. I came in late in the in the conversation. But please, um, if uh, I'm all ears. Okay. Well, I grew up on a 180 head dairy farm in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. And, you know, back when I grew up as a dairy farmer, they were plentiful. I mean, you could go anywhere and get fresh milk. Yep. And go to the same towns that had all those, you know, plentiful dairy farms now. Mm-hmm. And what you see is rundown barns or dairy barns that's totally completely gone. Pasture fields overgrown because like Walmart, they have their own dairy facility 
They have absolutely mm-hmm. pushed the small farmer out. And with pushing the fall mar- small farmer out, what they have done is they can charge whatever they want to charge because there's no, there's no small farms anymore to compete because mm-hmm. they've done away with them all. Just like, you know, they're trying to pet, you know, the synthetic beef is in its second phase mm-hmm. of the FDA for approval. You know, but if people done their research on that, I had somebody say to me the other day, well, you know, it, it's synthetic beef. It's made out of a lig- the ligament stem cells. Well, no, research that a little bit deeper. There's also fetal cells in that synthetic testing process. Mm-hmm. So big corporations have absolutely killed a lot of the small, you know, mom and pop industries. Darcy, Darcy, can I ask you, behind big corporations that did that is the power to do so, and behind that power is an ideology. So here's my question to you. Would you agree that that, what you're talking about, came about through, started in the 1980s when neoliberalism really took off and said, we want, we don't want government in the way we want corporations and whatnot. You see, you see what I'm saying? The ideology behind all that is a society, the idea from uh, Frederick Hayek and von Mises that said that the market rules and government, you have no role, no role whatsoever, government meaning the people, if it, in fact we are a, a democratically elected republic, you have no role in this. It's the it's 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 the ideology that says that I have a right to my profits. So I think we're saying the same thing, Darcy. I'm agreeing with what you know your your argument says is that the corporations. Well, yes, of course it's the corporations behind, but behind that is an ideology, and it's the ideology. And this is what that that I came to realize as a union member at CWA. You know. Doing what we can, you know, I got a little brother in the Democratic Party, you know, and he's a chairperson. And I got all these people all around me doing all kinds of things, trying their best to to make 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 some change. Right. And I, for me, in my movement, in my ideas, nothing short of a revolution will do it. This is the 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 hum, the, the, the enormity of the problem in front of us. We will never never get where we need to go unless we have a revolution and we can do a revolution so profoundly simple that i'll tell you what the, the the one thing we have to really fear in this strategy is that democrats and republicans will start going backwards running backwards and doing all kinds of stuff to keep us keep us from going through with our our demand that we have free and fair elections because once we have free and fair elections now you have that that farmer yeah. Hey, one second. We're going. So thanks. One second. You're- no problem. I want you to thanks. listen to Kitty real quick. This lady's named Kitty. What? I'm gonna say she's a friend of mine. I never met her, but I mean, I would like to one day. But she's still around. I want you to listen to what she has to say. Sure. She relates to what we're talking about too. Okay. Under a socialist government, you have a lot of rules. We had a planning agency that was designed to control the businesses and the farmers. The bureaucrats, oh, we had tons of bureaucrats. That's how Hitler created jobs, government jobs. A lot, a lot of bureaucrats. And they would go out on the farms and count the livestock and tell the farmers what to plant, how much to plant, and how much they had to harvest, regardless of the weather. They would go into the businesses and snoop around what they could find under the auspices of health and safety. Here we call it OSHA. They were nitpicking everybody, nitpicking everybody. And I hear that a lot of time from my audience. My bad. Hold on. Audiences, how the bureaucrats come into their business and look, snoop around what they can criticize and what the business owner had to replace. And that's why 
a lot of businesses in Austria could not afford replacement, whatever, whether it was um, round tables versus uh, square tables <clears throat> and, and more bathrooms. So a lot of businesses closed their doors. So also the bureaucrats would go out in the farms and count the chickens and order the chickens how many eggs they had to lay. That's ridiculous. Absolutely, absolute ridiculous. Hitler wrote a book, Mein Kampf, My Struggle. He wrote in the book everything what he was going to do, that he was going to take over the world. But the Austrian people were so busy with athletics and sports, so very few people read the book. Had we read the book, we would have known what was coming. We would have known. If we would have read the books, we would have known what was coming. Darcy, have That's you ever heard of it before? No, I haven't, but I would like to hear the rest of that because she is yes. she is one hundred percent spot on. And, and she's a survivor from the Nazi era. Sad thing is, well, that's something you and else you and I discussed earlier today. You know, yeah. that's how you know Hitler took his reign, but he started with the animals. Mm -hmm. He started putting animals above people, and that's how you know it, it. It all began, and so many people. When you say that to a lot of people in nowadays time, they think you're crazy, and you know that's when I just have to say, do your research. Because you'll find that that's 100% true. But there was a comment on here that I wanted to answer um, from Wander Cirrus, I think. I'm saying it right. Look at you. You're already uh, catching on how to use it. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, they, asked, they asked, haven't they already approved cloned beef for human consumption? Yes, they have approved cloned beef. And I guess I should have explained that. Cloned beef is actually cloning the whole animal for slaughter. Okay. Synthetic beef is something that is plant made. That's never been in a cow, not burst, nothing. Doesn't live like a cow. It's actually, it's actually grown in, in a petri dish. That's the only easiest way I know to explain it. And how they're doing that is through stem cells. Um, some of the stem cells, like I said, is from the muscle of the leg of the beef. Um, but as I have done more research on that, there is also fetal cells that has been used within this testing. Now, clone, clone beef is just, I don't really see there the whole big issue with cloned beef because it's actually a beef. It's cloned out of two different types of genetics. And what they've done with the clone beef is they had, they've just made the genetics to copy its mother or copy its father. It's still a uh, true beef. It still eats grass. It still eats hay. It's still slaughtered the same way. You know, it's not grown in a Petri dish. <laughs> so I hope I answered his que their question. Awesome. Thank you. And it looks like we have about seven minutes left um, to further on this discussion some more. Um, I'm going to get you guys this link for this whole entire thing. One second. I have to. I'm on my laptop pulling it up for you guys. I'm going to send it to myself, my phone so that you guys can have um, a copy so you guys can watch her. I'm going to watch her again. She has a lot of good stuff in there. Um, so if anyone else wants to hop up, um, Johnny, thank you so much for coming up and, uh, speaking what you're speaking on. Um, if anyone else wants to give it a, a try, you definitely can. And, uh, Robert, I'll go ahead and pull you on as a next caller. All right, Robert, go ahead. All right. Uh, hear me. Okay. Yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. So here, so here's my thing. 
you mentioned Mein Kampf. I actually re- I actually read like a quarter of that thing. Now, one of the tricks that Hitler used was he actually did have a lot of factual information in the first and second chapter uh, because you can cross-reference the history. And, and he he was smart. Evil, yes, but also smart. He knew how to he knew how to convince people to follow his agenda. And and the sad thing is that Germany at that time was going through uh was, they were going through their own depression. The nineteen twenties was a horrible time for them, and that's also the uh, that they were the Weimar Republic then. And also, that's when the first transgender operation happened, too, by the way. Uh, it happened in the Weimar Republic. There was a civil war in the Rhine Valley uh, that France instigated. Um, so the German people were distracted from all sides. So that's how, that's part of how they, that they completely missed what, what some of Hitler's, uh, some of Hitler's evil plans were because not everything he wanted to uh, because everybody uh every dictator on earth started with good intentions at some point but the power led them to do do what any human would do when tempted with too much power be corrupt so uh you know so um the other thing is it, that man, I think mandatory reading for everyone should be Brave New World, 1984, Fahrenheit 451, Animal Farm, and Harrison Bergeron, because that's where a lot of these neo, uh, that's where a lot of these liberals today are getting their ideas from. So if you haven't read those books, Please do. I haven't. I haven't finished Brave New World or Animal Animal Farm. It's hard to stomach those books, but it was hard enough reading 1984. But you, but everything has been laid out for us what they want to do, uh, and and you know the USA is pretty much following uh, following the old empire's tactics too, because when we. Because creating chaos so people get distracted, but we—you're right. We need to focus on the issue, not not focus on all these little distractions. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Flamethrower, for that. You always drop the fire, and I bet you, Joe, just threw up a flame for you because that's what we give you—flames. <laughs> I appreciate it. You guys, we're going to go ahead and uh, see if Darcy has any closing statements, or we're going to close out our anthem. Darcy, make sure you listen to the anthem. When we get off of here, I'm going to call you real fast. I'm going to ask you where it came from. But we night at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, unless um, we have to wait a few minutes afterwards. I will let you all know and re-change the time in the room. But what do we do every night, you guys? Try to take America back by pinky in the brain. uh, Darcy, how did you like it? Was it fun? You'll be back, aren't you? You said you're going to come back way more often, right? Yeah, it was. Oh, yes, I will, for sure. Um, And, you know, Robert was right about a lot of things, you know, just like this whole, you know, when all the, the voting stuff come up and all the COVID stuff come up, you know, the big sweep on the Washington, D.C. and all that, that was nothing but a smokescreen. That was a smokescreen to take the people's eyes off of what the government was trying to do behind closed doors. And I see it a lot because I go to our, my capital and I fight bills all the time on, you know, farmers behalf, animal owners, not just farmers, animal owners in general. And I see the smokescreen that even at the capital, you know, tries to play to get something snuck through. You know, just like the bestiality, you know, nine times out of 10, when they try pushing an animal bill, if they really want to make that a law, they'll attach the bestiality bill to it. So the lawmakers just push it right through. So I have seen that firsthand. Absolutely. I'm enjoying having you on. Um, I just ask her if she's going to come back more often. I already know she is. Um, I think that um, it's nice to have another female up here uh, having these conversations. It's usually just me, and uh, she's a fighter. She knows her stuff. 
And I think uh, Darcy being a part of this, the team is going to be a huge improvement for the room. Um, I love you guys so much. God bless you. Here's the anthem, and y'all have a great evening, and I'll see y'all tomorrow evening at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it, and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form, as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence, indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, and accordingly all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer, while evils are sufferable, than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty, to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. You're tuning into The Constitutionalist with Donnie the Don. Don't be political property. Be free.